As we step into John chapter 10, uh, I am excited to continue looking at some of these things that we read about last week. I'm going to go back and actually read the first 15 verses because I think that really connects with what we're going to talk about today. So, John chapter 10, if you have your digital Bible, love it. If you have your papal Bible, love it even more. Um, Youth hear this all the time. Technology is wonderful until it doesn't work. And, but paper always, somehow, like it always turns on. It always <laughs> lights up. It's usually in focus and clear and there's not a crack in the screen or anything. So, John chapter 10, verse 1. We'll read through this because I think it tees up exactly what Jesus is saying in today's portion of Scripture. Verse 1. Very truly I tell you, Pharisees... Anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he goes out, out when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what they were, what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not a shepherd that does not own the sheep. So when he sees a wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I go back and revisit these 15 verses because the time span that's, that's the time that spans between this chunk of Scripture and the portion of Scripture we're going to look at today, to us, is very minimal. Seven days if you were here last week, and now just really shortly as we read this and go into the next chunk. But for them, it was a time span of somewhere between two to three months. So Jesus sets the context. He shares this story. He gives an analogy for them to understand who he is and who they are to him. And then three months, two and a half months, somewhere in that range later, he revisits what he spoke to the Pharisees. And he says it to them in the temple. In the, on their turf. So I'm going to invite you all to stand if you're willing and able. And I'm actually going to invite Michaela Boost to come on down. And she's going to read our chunk of scripture for today. Our high schoolers have been reading through the Bible, specifically the New Testament. And they have been doing wonderful. And she uh, graciously said yes to join okay. me. So chapter 10, verse 22. Let's do it. All you okay. Then came the festival of dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was in the temple courts walking in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews, were, the Jews who were there gathered around him, saying, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. 
Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you do not believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me. But, do, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. And I and, I and the Father are one. Again, the, his Jewish opponents picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus said to them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? We are not stoning you um, for any good work, they replied, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in the law, I have said, you are gods? If he called them gods, to whom the word of the God came, and the scripture cannot be set aside. What about the one whom the Father set apart as his very own and sent into the, into the world? Why then do you accuse me of blasphemy, because I said, I am God's son? Do not believe me unless I do the works of my Father. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works, that you may now, that you may know and understand that the Father is in me, and I in the Father. Again, they tried to seize him, but he escaped their grasp. Then Jesus went back across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing in the early days. There he stayed, and many people came to him. They said, though John never performed a sign, all the all that John said about the man was true. And in that place, many believed in Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Amen. Thanks, Michaela. Appreciate it. Can you give your hand of applause, please? Thank you. All righty. Fantastic. So we got 20 verses of scripture. And unfortunately, today, we're just going to look at four, um, which is actually a bonus because this is a directly plugging us back into what Jesus had said. So again, the people are coming to Jesus. They're coming to him and they're saying, hey, show us a sign. Remember, uh, we'll revisit here. Verse 23, uh, verse 24. And the Jews who were there gathered around him saying, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus has been doing this for eight chapters of John. Eight chapters. And again, he revisits this analogy, this description of himself and of them. And so I want to focus on these just four verses for two big reasons. The first of one is this, is a question. Does Jesus know you? Does he actually know you? Not just know about you, but does he actually know you? And the second is this, is Jesus' sheep matter to him. They matter significantly to him. And it's critical for us to understand what Jesus is saying in chapter 10, these first, in these four verses, mainly because for us to be able to navigate the world around us, we have to, have to, have to, have to, have to have guidance. I think back in my own story, uh, athletics was a big piece of my life, and I played the sports, you name it, chances are I probably played it, didn't really swim competitively. I kind of sunk a lot more than I actually swam. <laughs> but in that, I always had a coach. Always had a coach. Every sport I played. And I couldn't imagine trying to go learn to play baseball or lacrosse or know how to do my role on a team of a football team 
without having a coach to describe and to teach and to direct and to guide how best to do that sport or that role. Think of going, for those of you who are educators, going and teaching a high school math course with never going to college. Where do you start? Like, I couldn't imagine that. Or creating a, maybe a spreadsheet or trying to close a deal in the sales world and never having done it before without anybody ever explaining to you how to do it. Here's the steps. Here's the procedures. Here's where to start. This is what Jesus is explaining to us, his church, as him being the shepherd and us being the sheep. He's there to guide us. He's there to lead us. He's there to show us how best to move forward. And last week we saw some videos about sheep that were dumb, which I would agree. I love that that was the word that we came up with as a family. Um, But this is not a descriptor of us necessarily. Jesus isn't saying he's the good shepherd because you're the dumb sheep. That's not, he is describing himself and who he is by calling us sheep. This is not about us. This is more about his character, his goodness, his truth about himself being revealed and us understanding who we are to him. So Matthew, uh, or not Matthew, um, sorry, David in Psalm 23. I have to go there because it makes a lot of sense. David, the man's man who was very fully in touch with his emotions and the pain and the sin that's entangled him, like we read in Hebrews 12, said this about who he is and who God is. Proverbs 23, the Lord is my shepherd. That automatically makes him a sheep. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. That means a shepherd has it all. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are right with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all of the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the lens or the frame that I want to invite you to look through these couple verses with today, is that we are God's sheep. And he desires to lead us, to guide us on these great pastures, to lead us by streams of water, to refresh our souls, and also to guide us through the dark times of life. Because it's not a matter of if, but really a matter of when. We encounter those valleys and fear tries to overtake us. So, verses 24 and 25, back in John chapter 10. The Jews who were gathered around him saying, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you did not believe the works that I do in my father's name testify about me. Jesus' answer to them was correct. It was also direct and it was truthful. It was loving and caring, but he was also willing to be, okay, I've shown you. Like I said, they've got eight chapters And that's just what we got from John that we know of. And you look to the end of John and said he could fill all the books in the world of all the things that Jesus has done. And it still wouldn't all be captured. 
We've got eight whole chapters of miracles that Jesus had done, of statements that he's made, truths that he's revealed to them. And they're still like, who are you again? Are you sure? Are you? Speak clearly, Jesus. Their lack of belief was causing them to not be able to see who Jesus is. Verse 26, Jesus continues, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. Their unbelief reflects whether they're in God's flock or not. Their unbelief came from a place where they were not his sheep. This reminds me of the Matthew 25 where Jesus talks about separating out sheep and goats. There are those that believe in the Lord and there are those that don't. There's two camps. He knows. We're not here to judge hearts. He understands. He knows who is in the sheep pen and who is in the goat pen. But their unbelief, the Pharisees, the people that knew all of the prophecies about the Messiah, their unbelief was causing them to not hear, to not see, to not understand their shepherd, their guide. As followers of Jesus, our belief ought to inform our behaviors. We've said that before. And if we believe that Jesus is the shepherd, if we believe that he is the Messiah, if we believe that he is God's son, that ought to inform how we behave. We ought to be about the father's business. I had somebody share that with me when I was in high school. He said, hey, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're about God's business. That means we got to understand what God's business is, though. What is he about? What is he up to? What is he doing? And it also reminds me of, going back to Psalm 23, even as, not everything was perfect for David, but as he said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall not fear. Why? Because his shepherd is leading him. It's better to be in the valley with their shepherd than it is to be in the pasture without him. Verse 27, we'll keep moving here. Verse 27, Jesus says this, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. First, that's the first big point. Does Jesus actually know you? And I know this is a bit of a dichotomy. It sounds that way where he's like, oh, they, 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 Jesus knows us. He knows who we are. But does he actually know you? I think there's a big difference between knowing facts about somebody and actually knowing somebody. Like, I know some facts about Russell Wilson. I know that he's a wonderful leader. I know that he's a high-energy guy. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. You can hold your opinions till afterwards. It's fine. I also know that he just got traded to the Denver Broncos, which that's really unfortunate. But, he, so I know things about Russell Wilson. I don't actually know him, though. I would be totally lying to say, oh, I know who Russell is. I know him. Never sat down with him. Never had a conversation with him. I don't really know what makes him tick. I don't know his heart. Similar for us. Christ knows everything about us. But does he really know us? That then begs the question, well, how do, how do we allow Jesus to know? Like, how does he really get to know us internally? And I, 
I really don't like answering a question with a question, but I do answer that question with saying, how's your prayer life? Again, we talked about, like, we want to be a church that prays. How's your prayer life? Are you praying? What are you praying about? Is it all the, the good things and the great things that are happening? Is it Thanksgiving and praise? Which those things are awesome. What about things that you're struggling with? What about the fears and the anxieties and the worries in your heart? What about the things that are stressing you out? What about the concerns you have for maybe culture or your, your kids or your family or siblings? And for me, in this season, uh, it has been a season of the idea that Jesus' yoke is, is light, <laughs> his burden is easy. I try to take on the pressures of the world. Seeing, and I was telling Lauren this a couple weeks ago, I can get too overwhelmed with the things that are going on in the world and trying to do something about it, but I can't do anything about it. And then I get stuck in this place where I'm like, I don't know what to do. This, that's that worry and concern that you say, hey, 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 I want it. Cast it on me, Peter tells us. Cast all our anxieties on him. He wants them and he's willing to give us this yoke that still requires work and effort, but it's easier than the yoke of the world. How is your prayer life? And in that, are we confessing sin? Are we repenting? Are we asking for forgiveness? Does he really know deep down internally what is going on with you and are you telling that to him? How does somebody get to know us deep down? A friend, someone face-to-face, sharing life with them. Inviting them in, asking for help, asking for them to process through something with us, asking for their perspective. Does Jesus know you? Not know things about you, but does he know you? Have you allowed him to see into your heart through prayer? And then the flip side of that is this. Is it a one-way conversation? Are you asking and talking to the Lord in a monologue Or are you pausing to wait to hear from him? Because he's speaking. He says it. He's the good shepherd. His sheep know his voice. That means he's speaking. He's talking. He's directing. But if we're constantly talking, it's hard for me to speak and to hear what someone else is trying to tell me at the same time. That usually doesn't work. And I got two ears and one mouth, which means I maybe should listen more than I speak, which is a big struggle for me, especially when it comes to the Lord. It's hard for me to pause and sit in silence and to wait and to listen and to hope that God says something, but we know that he always is. We know that he is speaking. Why? Because he told us. He gave us the word. He is speaking to us consistently. Are we taking the time to pause and listen for his leading, listen for his revelation, listen for his truth? Matthew 7, 21 through 23 says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of the Father who is in heaven. Our beliefs and form of behaviors. As followers of Jesus, we should be about the Lord's business. We should be doing the things he's asking us to do. Many will say on that day, Lord, Lord, did not we prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, and and perform miracles? All three of which are good. Those are all good things. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. 
I believe there are Christians out there, people who say they're Christians and maybe aren't necessarily following Jesus, but would say that they're Christians. Maybe even people that are serving on Sunday mornings at church, or Saturday nights at church, or Wednesdays at church, or helping out with youth groups, or kids ministry, or whatever it may be. And even, I believe there's even people in full-time ministry, ministers of the gospel, that are more concerned with doing things for God than actually being really known by God. And that just begs the question for me of have they actually given God full access to their life? Because if we do, I think it's revealed to us by him and by the Holy Spirit that he is more concerned with our hearts than he is with our hands. He died for us, not for the things that we do. Yes, the things we do matter, it matters to him. He's concerned by them, and, and he wants us to do things that are well, but he saved our hearts, not our hands. And may from the overflow, like David was talking about in Psalm 23, as he pours him with, anoints him with oil, the overflow of Christ's love in our life ought to then motivate our hands to do things. Our beliefs inform our behaviors. That verse, those verses in Matthew it's a, it's a gauge check for me, and I, my hope is that it's a gauge check for you. Say, hey, all of those that come to him and say, Lord, Lord, will not enter the kingdom. That's a good place for me to say, hey, how, where am I at? Am I listening to the Lord and what he's doing? Am I allowing him fully into my heart, fully into my life to transform me before I'm ever trying to do anything externally? before any form of work or deeds. Verse 28, Jesus continues, I have given them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all who can snatch them out of my Father's hand. Uh, Eternal life is found in Jesus for those who are transformed by his work. I, this verse, this statement by the Lord is so refreshing to me. It is so securing to me. Because there is that fear of not being protected, of not being cared for, of not being concerned with. That somebody would be so disconcerned with any other people that they would just function as they choose. This verse brings so much comfort to me, and I think as his sheep, it should bring comfort to us to know that he will not allow someone to come in and snatch us away. He will not allow, because if we're a part of his flock, as the shepherd, he fights back. Again, I think to David, slinging rocks at bears and lions and wolves and fighting back anyone who was trying to get to his father's sheep he understood fully the power of psalm 23 because he lived it he understood the role of a shepherd he understood sheep god understands god understands that there's things that are battling for us there's a spiritual war that's raging Satan's trying to snatch us, get us off focus, cause us to swerve. 
It's literally in the Bible, it's a great word. It causes us to swerve off track. And it reminds me that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. It says in John 14, he also, the authors of Hebrews say that he's the author and perfecter of our faith. And he's leading his sheep. So the author and perfecter of our faith is leading us to God, to the cross. Incredible. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever would believe in him who would not perish but have eternal life. That means heaven is the goal. That means heaven is where we're headed. Life here on earth is significant and it matters. And our life in eternity with God in heaven is a gift through Jesus Christ to us. But if we keep going, verse 17 and 18 say this, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. Save us from what? Save us from sin. Save us from ourselves. Save us from our own lack of ability to live righteous lives. And to reconcile us, to bring us back into right relationship with our creator, God. To bring us back into what we see in the Garden of Eden. A place of peace. A place of where man and God existed in harmony with one another because it was perfect. And there was no sin. Their eternal life can never be taken away from his sheep, those who believe in Jesus Christ. Romans 8, 38 and 39 say this, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from the Lord. Paul got it. Paul understood what Jesus was saying here, that, hey, my sheep belong to my Father. They belong to me. Nobody can snatch them away. Nothing can separate them from me. Luke 15, 1 through 7. Love this. <laughs> I love scripture, guys. I just think it's so cool because it works. It, it fits. It is true. It reveals life and how best to live it. It guides us just like our shepherd does. Luke 15. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you, again he's speaking to the Pharisees, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors and gathers them and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Even though we can't be snatched from the Lord's hand, we still wander off. We still jump in the 
in the dikes like that sheep did last week or try and run over the, the feeding troughs and we get all upside down and we wander off. It happens. It happens. And the role of the good shepherd is he comes after us. He chases us down. The, um, like Corey Asbury's song, and I'm spacing the name, sorry babe. It was the song that Lauren walked down the aisle to at our wedding. No, that's not a different song. It was a song we sung at communion. Ha ha, I'm forgetting my own wedding. That's not great. Um, <laughs> we're still married and that matters. So, but the, this, it is this beautiful reminder of the good shepherd of Jesus chasing us down. Every single one of us, every single one of the followers of Jesus, his sheep, have a story of the shepherd chasing them down. Not allowing them to wander off. Not allowing them to wander away from community, away from safety, away from refreshment, nourishment. This is a characteristic of our shepherd that Luke shows us of Jesus coming after us when we stray away. He cares. He significantly cares about his sheep. His sheep matter to him. Enough to leave 99 to come after the lost one. Because it's better for the whole sheep of 100 to be with each other. It's better to be in the flock than not a part of the flock. My own story, my own life, there are many a time where I've wandered off. And the Lord relentlessly sometimes it seems recklessly to me not to him but to me it might seem that way he keeps coming after me why why would God send his own son to die for a people that rejected him because his love and his care for his sheep is far surpassing than we could ever think or imagine. He keeps chasing me down, whether it's using other people, using his word, the Holy Spirit, some miraculous encounter with the Holy Spirit that reminds like, oh, that's right. You are my, my good shepherd. You do actually know what's best for me. Even though I think at times I do, I don't. I don't. You are that coach that teaches me how to do that new sport. You are that professor that teaches me how to better teach students. You are that guiding light in my life, illuminating the right path. Your voice guides me. So in closing, does Jesus really know you? Does our shepherd really know you, his sheep? Because he says that he knows us by name and that his sheep listen to him. Does he really know who you are? Does he know the things that you're struggling with? Have you allowed him in. Have you shared those things with them? 
And if not, do it. Like Scott was saying during communion, confess those sins. Allow him to take the burdens that we try to bear, that we were never designed or meant to. Does he really know you? Intimately, closely, deeper than a friend. And Jesus' sheep matter to him. You matter to Jesus. Like he cares about you individually. He died for humanity and he cares for us individually. It's an amazing gift. The first 15 verses that I read of John chapter 10, they describe Jesus' willingness to do things for his sheep. They outline what he is willing and able and desires to do and does for his sheep because they matter to him. You don't lay down your life for something that you don't care about. And he illustrated that with a hired hand. You don't fight off bears and lions and wolves if you don't actually care about your sheep. If you don't care about it, you won't protect it. Jesus is saying, hey, I care about my sheep enough to protect you, to lay down my life for you. And if we take a step back and look at the four gospel accounts, we see four gospels, four first-person accounts of Jesus' care for his people, for his sheep. It's amazing. You look at the rest of the New Testament. Take another step back. You look at the rest of the New Testament. His care and love and protection and guidance for his sheep is explained and it moves forward and it's shared with other people. And other people begin to believe and listen to the shepherd's voice and be guided by him. And if we take another step back and we look at the Old Testament and the entirety of the book, all the books in the Bible, we see God's character as the good shepherd woven throughout the entire Bible. His willingness to guide his people out of slavery. Pillar of fire by night, cloud by day. We see his protection of certain individuals. We see his care and love for his people, the Israelites. We see him sending and speaking through prophets to help guide and lead and bring truth and judgment and conviction to people. Look at the whole grand story of Scripture. And this idea that we get from John chapter 10 is able to be seen from cover to cover. Even all the way into Revelation where the Lord is going to return and leading that charge of the saints. So does Jesus know you? Intimately. By name. And does Jesus' sheep significantly matter to you? Or does Jesus' Jesus's sheep significantly matter to him? He loves you. He cares about you. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. and I'm going to pray. And, and as I pray, I want to I ask you to just hold your hands out in front of you. Uh, because I believe that the Lord wants to speak. And this is one way we're able to posture, as we looked at spot, an acronym to be able to hear from the Lord. This is one way that we're able to posture ourselves to hear 
from him. So Jesus, we invite you to speak to your people. We invite you to lead us as your sheep. We invite you to be the God of our life, to be the guiding voice in our life, Lord. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would give us and prompt us opportunities to seek you, to come to you, to bring our worries and our cares to you, Lord, and to follow you. I want to follow you, Jesus, as you have gone before us, the author and perfecter of our faith. We thank you for your word, and we thank you that you are the good shepherd. And Lord, right now, we, we ask you to be our shepherd. We invite you to be the primary influence and voice in our lives, Lord. We thank you for your word, and we thank you for the truth that it brings. We ask you to continue to work your will in us. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll see you soon. Have a great week.